Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of The Life of a Missionary. My guest today is a father of two. He has been married for three years, lives in Boise, and comes from a family of nine kids. He loves missionary work and he served his mission in the Ogden, Utah mission. Please give a warm welcome to Cord Nichols. You are listening to The Life of a Missionary a podcast that dives into the experiences of former missionaries of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Enrique Nunez, and I will be your host to the journey of these mission stories from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. All right, recording started. So you served in the Ogden... Ogden, Utah mission. Utah man. mission. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, I kind of... By this time, I've already introduced you on on the episode, but thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, you have a very interesting name. Like a cord of wood, brother. Cord. <laughs> My mother had nine children. Okay. okay. It was one of the uh, names she hadn't used yet. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, my mom had nine children. It was Clint, Casey, Cooper, Cord, Carly, Kylie, Callie, Clay, and Carson. Holy smokes. Mormons, man. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> nine kids? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, so so technically, I, there's, there was technically 13 in my family, 13 kids. But my mother had nine of them, and it's kind of a yours, mine, and ours situation. Right. Okay. Yeah. And where are you guys from? So I grew up in Arizona. Okay. A little small town called Queen Creek. And, uh, and then we moved to Texas right when I was in ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. That was a culture shock. Okay. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> I, I feel like the climates are a little different, too, just because of the humidity. Oh, dude, it was like um, getting out of a shower every day in yeah. Texas, man. Yeah. Yeah, Nicole and I went a few years ago, and it was bad. <laughs> That's just... right. You were talking about you went to New Orleans. I, uh, I, I... That was Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. And Texas we went to as well. And they're they're both bad, man. Yeah. Like, she wants to go move down there to Texas, but... I don't know. We'll no. see. Someday. Maybe. Texas is cool, man. Like, it's it's super America. It's, yeah. you know, don't mess with Texas. It's like, it's funny. You, you drive down the road and you see signs that say, don't mess with Texas. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> you know, so. But I also noticed that they're very friendly. Very they're, friendly. They're, that's how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although they're, they're big cities, they have big cities, people are, are more or less fairly friendly. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then you moved to Idaho when? I moved to Idaho 2015, 16. Okay, so you, yeah, were, summer in that you were in Texas for a while. Well, so, no. So, I, I, uh, so like I said, I grew up in Arizona, yeah. you know, and then I moved to Texas when I was in ninth grade. And then after Texas, I went to BYU-I-Do, okay? Okay. Went, for, uh, went to BYU-Idaho uh, right before my mission. Okay. Yeah. For one year? For one year. Three okay. semesters, yeah. Dang. So, you, you came all the way up here by yourself. For one school. Yeah. For one year. Yeah. Okay. And then you got your calling up here? No. No. I actually ended up going back to Texas. Okay. Uh, lived with my folks for just like two months. Again, I got my calling and I opened it up and said, Ogden, Utah. So that's, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but how is that feeling, man? <laughs> I think, I think you were telling me that you were kind of upset, right? Oh, I was ticked, dude. I did <laughs> not want to go to Ogden, Utah. Okay. So, uh. You know, my, part of my thing was, so I was the only member of the church at uh, my school. Okay. So oh, I had, okay. I kind of wore, Hey, I'm a Mormon on my sleeve, you know, there for a while. Right. And so everybody kind of knew I was a member of the church and, um, I had told everybody, you know, guys, dude, I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to go to, <laughs> I'm going to go to Argentina. Okay. I'm going to go to Russia. Probably. I'm probably going to learn a new language. 
and I'll almost likely probably uh, use that in my, my future career, you know, kind of thing. I was like really, really like selling it, you know, were you like, kind of, oh, were you kind of snotty about it? Oh, it's totally snotty about it. Like <laughs> I, guys, oh yeah, this is what I'm, and all my friends were like, dude, that's super cool, man. Good for you, bro. Like they thought it was super cool that I was going to go do this for two years, man. Right. I opened up my mission call and it freaking said Ogden, Utah. Oh, it was, it was, it was a gut punch. It was actual like feeling of a gut punch that hit me in my stomach. I was just mostly embarrassed about it. First thing my mom said was, so, so take a step back, you know, like I was the first one to go on a mission in my family. You know, my yeah. dad had went, but they'd split when I was younger. But so I was, I was kind of the first one to okay. go on my mission. So there was a lot of people that was real excited about me going on a mission. <laughs> and, you know, I went to Ogden, Utah. I mean, I'd driven through there a couple of times. Dude, I covered my grandparents' ward for six months. Oh, <laughs> okay. interesting. Yeah. You know, so I had known this area pretty well. And my uncle, I went on splits with my cousin. You know, he'd returned from his mission in like Bulgaria. Like, oh, so man. I, yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> driven through this area a ton. So I knew it really well. And I was mostly just disappointed because I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I wanted to get out there and work. I wanted to work hard. And I honestly thought I was going to like shovel snow for two years. Oh, okay. And I was really like, what the heck am I going to do there? You know? So. Yeah. Cause you, the mentality of the outside world is that. Utah is just full of members. Yeah. There's like, it's like a hundred percent members and there's no work, especially like Provo, Ogden area, yep. uh, Orem area, all those places. Like there's no work. Right. So I guess my question is what, how, how different is it? Well, I mean, um, so I can, I can count on one hand, you know, how many people I walked up to and talked to or tracked it into that had never heard of the church. Okay. okay, I can pretty much count that on one hand. Like there was very few times where I I remember this one guy I walked to. He was, you know, Muslim guy. I want to say um, he had never heard of the church. You know, and I distinctly remember that because it was threw me off. It was like, oh, you you never heard of us before, <laughs> you know. But out, you know, I'm sure there was a couple of other times, but most of the people had heard about the church. So right. it was uh, it was it was kind of interesting to, to 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 track. So I had to kind of change my questions up, you know, as I would talk to people. You know, you tracked into them or you knock in or, you, you know, you catch them on the street. It's like, hey, how's it going? I, I would always say, uh, I bet you never seen people like us before. I say that every time. I bet you never seen people like us before. And they'd be like, oh, I have seen you guys. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, how long ago was that? Or was it a good experience? Or was it a bad experience? And they're like, oh, it was a good experience. Oh, cool. Have they, have they, have they come back or, you know, or uh, I'm trying to think what, what it's, you know, was it a good experience or a bad experience? Uh, how did that go? I mean, did they ever come back? You know, and then I'd kind of, I wouldn't directly ask, can we come back again? I'd usually kind of get that with the questions that I would ask with, right. you know, in, in, in an indirect way they would, oh yeah, they, they, never, they never showed back up again. I'm like, well, perfect. We're here today. Let's, <laughs> you know, so right. that was a, that was a large part of how I, how I interacted with people. Yeah. That's definitely, you got to change things up because yeah. uh, I served in my last area. It was majority members as well. Mm-hmm. And I had my, my companion that was there at the time he had served there before, like in that general area. And he said, the only way to get baptisms here are move-ins mm -hmm. because everybody else are either members or have talked to missionaries multiple times. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's, there's no way. <laughs> you know what, man? And, and it's crazy to say, I mean, like I, we had, I had a really, I mean, like on, from an outsider's perspective, somebody could look at my mission and be like, that was a really successful mission, you know? Um, uh, I, I, I had a lot of baptisms, you know, I, I was able to be a part, I should, I should say, you know, of a lot of baptisms. Um, and a lot of it was just 
I mean, I was able to work with members really well and I tracked it. I tracked it into a lot of people, you know, that you you go knock on these doors and stuff. And I'd have to like convince other missionaries that I was serving around with like, guys, it freaking works, man. Right. You just, you just got to put in the time, you know, it's just like fishing. You got to put in a little bit of time and you're going to, it's going to happen. Right. Okay. You knock into somebody and you, you run into that girl that's, that's 26 years old. She's got a boyfriend that she's been living with for five years. They're not married. He's not a member. They have a eight, nine year old child. You know, the girl's like, you know what? I really do want to come back to church. It's something I've been thinking about, but it just, they don't quite know how to make that leap into it. And right. I always thought being a missionary, that was a perfect segue, you know, for them to like kind of go through it again. And I would even pitch it to them be like, Hey, you know, what? I bet you'd be great for you to probably go through the experience, you know, to the lessons again and relearn some of those things. And they'd always be like, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's a good idea. And you know, I'd teach the kid and then I would indirectly teach the boyfriend. I had several <laughs> baptisms where it was just that setup where you, and then you'd eventually talk to the boyfriend and he would be quiet and sit in the corner. And then next thing you know, he's asking questions in the lesson yeah. and he's now more interested in it and stuff. And, and, uh, next thing you know, it's, it's, they're coming to church, you know, together and he's, it's just, it's, it's an awesome experience. And I had that so many times. Yep. And uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm setting up a wedding, you know, I, <laughs> dude, it's crazy to say I set up like, uh, not even joking, six weddings. I, I, it was six weddings that we did on my mission. And it was just like, I didn't realize that I'd be doing that, right. but you got to get them married. <laughs> yeah. So going back to getting your call. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, cause this is, this is a lot of information, but I feel like with your personality, the, the way you think, the way you think, the way you work, you were sent over there for that specific reason. Yeah. So, cause people, especially in areas like that, they need to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I think particularly for you, since you were all, I'm going, you know, out of, out of the country. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, this is a moment of, of humbling humbleness you. Yeah. and, and getting your personality out there to help these people like that. Um, cause I didn't experience anybody who had to get married like that. I, I did one, but it was kind of indirect. Um, but I don't think with my personality, I could have done that. So it's cool that like, like how, how they send certain people to certain areas for those specific reasons. No, it was it. Like I said, I mean, I, I was ticked when I got my mission call, but I cried when I went home. It yeah. was, it was a tough, I mean, it, I just, I loved it, man. Yeah. It was, I mean, I grew up kind of less active, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I grew up kind of active, but I mean, I didn't know anything about the church. You right. know? I mean, like, like I knew the church and I knew there was something special in the building. Like I even made the joke when I was like 17, 18 years old. I'm like, dude, I swear there's like extra, and I didn't know what the name of it was. I said, there's extra cotton candy looking stuff inside the walls, insulation. <laughs> but, but I said cotton candy stuff. And they were like, yeah, there's like, there's extra insulation inside the walls. It's weird, but it's like, and I always knew that when I was a kid, you know, and even growing up, I'd bear my testimony and I'd, I'd feel something. There's yeah. always something a little different at the church. And I just never forgot those feelings, you know? And, um, it, it I'm super glad that I never did. Cause it ultimately, you know, you know, pointed me towards my mission and stuff like that. Like right. I, there was a time there not too long before my mission that I wasn't going to go on a mission. You know, I ended up having my own little conversion story to the gospel and stuff like that. So, yeah. Would you care to share? It's, it's a longer story. I, I, I uh, it's, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the real condensed part of it. You know? <laughs> All right. You well, know? we got 50 minutes. So. Oh, oh, perfect. Then. Okay. <laughs> 
So I, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, I go into church and like, every time I went to primary, they always sang the new kid song to me, you know, that, you know, put that in perspective, right. you know? Uh, and then I went to like growing up, my parents were divorced. So I went to my dad's and my dad, I always, we always went to church, but at my mom's place, we didn't go as, as often. Um, and anyways, I always, you know, my dad, one of the cool things that he did was we did family home evening. And so I was able to like, there was a couple of things that I learned in those family home evenings that stuck with me. And one of them was, 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 was a crucial thing that stuck with me during that time. And they were talking about the, the plan of salvation and, you know, those that don't get the opportunity in this life, get the opportunity in the next life. Okay. And that, that resonated with me because that always felt right to me, right. you know, that always felt right. It's like those that didn't get the opportunity to get the opportunity in the next life. And that's something I just like, like when, when I, one of the questions I love to ask when I was a missionary is, was, what do you think the difference between heavenly father and God is? You know, I love that question. Because it, it, there's, a, there's a whole paradigm shift when it comes to the way that we look at Heavenly Father compared to others, how they look at him as just God. You know, we right. can't understand him. He's up there. He's, he's all powerful. He's all these things, but we can't conceptualize him. You know, whereas his Heavenly Father is our Father in Heaven. We have scriptures of him crying and smiling and, and, and things like that, emotions, you know. Right. So we, we, we look at him in that way. So um, anyways, that, that always made sense to me. I had a Father in Heaven and he was fair. As I got older, you know, we, uh, we ended up moving to Texas and, uh, I, dude, I graduated high school, 15 kids. Okay. Just to put this in perspective. It was a small town I went to, yeah. you know, there were 60 kids in my high school, you know, dude, I, I'm freaking related to half the town now. I got two sisters that married two brothers, you know, like it's one of those kind of things. It's <laughs> nothing crazy, but it's one of those kind of things. And, uh. Anyways, I, you know, I mean, I had nothing to do on Wednesday nights, you know, and the branch that we went to was 15 miles away, you know, so I just, there was just no way my mom was going to be able to take me out there to do Wednesday night mutual. Right. So I would go hang out at the Baptist church with uh, all my buddies in high school. And um, anyways, there was a Baptist preacher there. His name was Brother Hales. Cool guy. I'm still friends with him. I still have a relationship with this guy. He's a good dude, you know, but anyways, he kind of took me under his wing and I, you know, I told him I was LDS, Mormon, you know, I just, just, just who I was, you know, and totally was respectful of it and everything. But I would go to his house, me and a, me and kids from the school would go to his house and we would learn uh, about computers and stuff like that. The guy didn't have a family, didn't have kids. I know that that sounds weirder than it is, you know, that sounds weirder than it is. It, it wasn't as weird as you think, I promise. Okay. But we'd go to this guy's house and uh, we would just hang out and we'd work for him and he'd pay us like, he'd pay us like 15, 20 bucks an hour. Cause he wow. was like this millionaire computer guy, but he was okay. also a preacher at the same time. Well, anyways, as I was going to visiting with him, we, I'd ask him questions about religion, you know, cause I was a question type of person and he was obviously a religious, you know, teacher. And he would tell me stuff about the LDS church and Mormons. And I'd be like, dude, I never heard that before. Nobody's ever told me that. And I'd be like, what the heck? And so he'd tell me these things. Like negative things? Not negative things. Just like, you know, I mean like, uh, I don't know, like that we get to become like Heavenly Father in the next life. Oh, you know, okay. how you can spin that out, spin that out of context, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe something like that. Or uh, polygamy and, and, and Joseph Smith or, or Brigham Young or, right. he, you know, things like that that you can spin kind of out of context if you're not you know, taught in the right way. Right. And so he would kind of explain these things to me. And I'm like, I never heard these things before. And so I'd go to my branch president at the time. And um, awesome, awesome branch president. Just a real, real important person in my life. And I'd tell him, like, this is what this guy's telling me, man. Like, what's this all about? You know, my branch president, give me answers, you know, and stuff like that. And then I would take these answers and then I would go to the Baptist preacher. 
And I would like talk to him and be like, yeah, so this is, this, these are the answers. And then he would, the Baptist preacher would, would tell me his responses. Okay. And then I would take these answers and go to the branch president. And I did this back and forth for a long time, uh, just learning. And it was great for me to like get into the details of, do I believe this or do I not believe this? I didn't really know these things. You know, it's like it, all these things are kind of, you know, that are, that are there. Um, and, uh, anyways, it got to a point where, you know, I, uh, it was the summer before my junior year of high school. Okay. Like, and those, you know, for fun, what do you do is you, you, you'd go to the church camps. Okay. That was the fun thing to do during the summertime. It's like you have, you have all these teeny little schools that are in Texas, but we all, all the teeny little schools all go to the same church camp it was like these, these are like rock concert church camps shooting <laughs> oh, okay. guns that's where the girls were basketball tournaments all kinds of fun stuff dude and uh anyways dude there was a rock band playing and they said you know if, if you want to come down here and be saved then do it you know and all these things and there was a bunch of kids going down there you know kneeling before the podium and got on their knees and just put their hands in the air and were saved you know and i started to feel the spirit I'm not going to lie. I felt the spirit and I was just like, this is, this is something I should do. So I went down there and I did it, dude. Put my hands up in the air and I was saved. Right. <laughs> this is like, I was. And so at this point I was just like, Oh crap. I, this is what I'm going to do now with my life. You know, this is, I guess this is the route I'm going to go, you know, and I'm 16 years old. Now understand that, that at my mom, I love her to death. You know, she'll probably hear this, you know, I love her to death. But she's, I mean, she didn't grow up like, she's one of those people that it's like, do as I say, but not as I do right. kind of thing. And I respect her, you know, I do, but it was, she, she's, she's pretty staunch about the church. You know, it's like, she's pretty hardcore. Like I've seen her get in fights over the church, you know, like <laughs> literally like, like, like I, she'd fist fight over the church, like oh, that wow. type of, but if you ask her, you know, like, who's your, what's your favorite scripture? She couldn't tell you, you right. know, or what's your favorite you know, apostle or whatever. She couldn't tell you, you know, but she has a testimony of it. So there's a little bit of intimidation with my mother here. So I'm like kind of scared because I'm like, oh crap. Because I, I am that, I'm the son that everybody kind of suspects is probably going to go on a mission, but you know, kind of thing. So I kind of have a lot riding on me a little bit. Does she know all this already? Not all these details. <laughs> not, all these, not all these details. In fact, she'll, she'll probably listen to this and be like, what the freaking crap? It gets, it gets better though. Okay. So anyways, I, uh, I ended up, uh, going to this Baptist preacher and I was like, brother Hills, I don't know what to do, man. Like my mom's going to freaking kill me if I, you know, if this happens. And you know, he tells me the right answer. He's like, honor your father and your mother. That's a commandment. Do that. That's what you're supposed to do. And, uh, I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I end up, so I kind of, it's funny. I kind of call it undercover. I was kind of an undercover Baptist. Right. So I'm going to the LDS church. I'm mm. becoming a priest. I'm doing all the things, you know, on the surface. But a part of me is I don't believe the stuff. Okay. okay. But and then I'm going to Sunday night at the Baptist church. I got a calling in this church now, dude. Like I'm, I'm in, okay. I'm two feet in at this point, you know, and I'm just like, this is, this is where I'm going to go with my life, you know? And this is my junior year of high school. I'm still remembering this all the, all the way through my junior year. I have buddies that are now like aware of my situation and they're like, yeah, don't talk to Cord's mom and all these things about this stuff. Anyways, I'm going into my senior year now. This is the summer before my senior year of high school. And I'm in the car with Brother Hills and we're talking. And um, we're, we're on the subject of life after death. And remember, I told you when I was a younger kid, you know? Yep. And we're on the subject of life after death. And 
he te- he says if you are not saved, you know, in the Baptist faith, you're going to hell. You know, that's what he you know basically says. And I've had these conversations with many different people, and that's it's as black and white as that. They'll never quite come out and say it like that, but it's as black and white. That's what they believe. If you're not saved in this specific Bible way we understand the Bible way. And I'm talking like, and that's it's, it's teeny differences between like Baptists and Methodists, you know, right. it's like something small like that, which you would think on the outside, it's kind of the same thing. Like they understand scriptures just a little different and boom, that's enough for somebody to not be saved. Right. And I'll tell them, but like, I, I've had conversations like, well, I believe in heavenly father. I believe that through Jesus Christ, I'm saved. Oh, but, but, but you're not though. Well, who are you to tell me that I'm not? Anyways, that's, right. a, that's a little bit of a, a tangent there. But anyways, he says that, and I even f- follow back up with him, and I tell him, like, well, okay. Like, hey, there's a lot of things that I've heard from you that sounds good, but that doesn't make very much sense to me. And I was like, okay, what about what about our ancestors? You know, what about those that never got to hear about Heavenly Father? Okay, like fi- people lived 500 years ago. Right. Okay. What about people that live in China and in India that will never, throughout this entire life, hear about God? Or Jesus Christ. Or Jesus Christ or nothing. Like they, like they'll go their entire life here on earth today. These people yep. today that'll go their entire life that'll never hear about it. And he's like, and he kind of said, he's like, well, if they're not saved, there's not a whole lot you can do for them. And then he, he kind of drops the scripture about Paul and he, and he talks about, oh, we can look at the sun and the trees and, and we can look at that and we can know based off of that, that God exists, you know? And, um, and that's enough to to be saved. He's basically, yeah, it's it's quite a train to, to get to that thought. Um. Anyways, it's like I, now I'm. Anyways, he said that answer, and I'm like, you know what? That doesn't sit right with me. There's a lot of things that make sense, but there's a couple things that don't make sense, and that's one of them. And so now I'm at this quandrum where I'm like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm going into my senior year. I keep thinking I'm gonna go this Baptist route in my life. I mean, I had a college picked out. I had tuition. I had a lot of things lined up because I'm that type of person. I'm like, I like to plan five years down the road. And uh, anyways, I go to my branch president and I kind of open up to him a little bit about this is where I'm at in life. I'm just going to be honest with you. And my branch president, amazing guy, amazing guy. And he kind of just kind of, you know, calls me out and says, have you read the Book of Mormon? Have you have you prayed about it? Do you know if it's even true or not? At this point, I hadn't read the Book of Mormon. You know, I didn't know if this was something that was true. And um, so I, I'm like, you know what? I got, I got to do this. I got to figure this out. So I... You know, I, I read the whole thing. I pray. I don't get the answer that I'm looking for, and I, I'm not not really knowing what I'm looking for as I'm praying. And he and he and he kind of tells me, you know, it's like when you know, when's the time in your life that you you felt the spirit? You know, that's what my branch president says. You know, so like, when's the time in your life you felt the spirit? And I'm like, okay, well, it's it was. Uh, yeah, I guess I gave the example of in the car that day. And he's like, you know, look for that feeling. You know, look for that feeling right there. So I asked Heavenly Father, and I said, I, I really, I've got to know if this is true, and I really need to know. I'm, I have a, it's, you know, open heart, contrite spirit, everything, and I was able to get my answer. Like, this is true. This book is true. Therefore, you know, everything else is true. It's like, whoa. So my entire paradigm shifts again, right? Um, oh, excuse me. And uh, so now I'm like, oh crap. Uh, so now I guess I'm a Mormon again. You know? <laughs> I guess I'm a Mormon again. So I went from Baptist back to Mormon. And so now I'm, but at this point I'm kind of double undercover, right? Right. So like they think I'm an undercover Mormon, but in reality I'm, or they, excuse me, they think I'm an undercover Baptist, but now I'm actually an undercover Mormon pretending to be this undercover Baptist. Like that was like, yeah. it, was, it was kind of funny at that time. 
But thank goodness Emily Fowler's got a plan because I ended up meeting this super pretty girl, you know, and there's this lady that walked up to me in my branch. And just like every story, there's a girl that's involved. There's always a girl. There's a girl that's involved. <laughs> and I meet this girl. Um, and, uh, you know, her grandma walks up to me and says, I got a granddaughter I think you should meet. And I'm like, let's do this thing, you know, <laughs> because I'd always, I'd always been kind of a hopeless romantic, you know, right. but like, I mean, I graduated with 15 kids. Three of them were girls. Okay. Oh, so damn. like slim pickings. Right. <laughs> so this girl lived two hours away from me and, um, we ended up, uh, dating each other basically all my senior year. And, uh, her mom lived two hours, her family lived two hours away from where we lived. And so this sounds kind of corny and it sounds kind of loserish now that I look Uh-oh. back on it, but my mom would meet her mom halfway <laughs> so I could go visit her on the weekends. Nice. So my mom would drive halfway to meet her mom. And then as I was driving with her mom, I, I developed a, a really good relationship with her mom. Oh. And actually, I ended up developing more of a relationship with her family. And, and once again, this I'm, it, her name is Savannah. Awesome girl. We, it ended up not working out between us. And I'll kind of open that. That's a funny story, too. That, <laughs> that kind of coincides with everything. But it ended up not working out. But I, but I have a ton of respect for her. And I'm super happy that I met her in my life. And I'm, I'm sure she probably feels the same way. It was a great time to meet each other at our lives at that point. But anyways, um, I'm opening up to my girlfriend's mom. This is my life. This is what's happening. Like I, this is the first person I can kind of let into, you know, right. where I'm at in life. And the mom's like, wow, this is amazing. You know, she's kind of going through the story with me and stuff like that. And, and I tell her, I was like, I don't really know. You know, the mom asked me, you know, so what are your plans after high school? You know, that's like any good mom would do. What are your plans after high school? And, um, I tell her, I said, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I don't really have any plans. I thought I was going to go this route, but I guess not anymore because I'm a Mormon again, you know? And she's like, you know, you ought to, you ought to go BYU-Idaho. You know, it was my girlfriend at the time had an older sister who was going to go there too as well. And she's like, you should go with her. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I should do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. So I signed up. I got accepted my senior year. And I was just like, well, freaking A, I guess I'm going to <laughs> well, I guess I'm gonna go to Idaho. And my, my girlfriend's sister, she ended up getting on a different tract than, than I did. So I ended up going up there by myself, not oh, knowing okay. anybody, you know. And um, we ended up breaking up mostly because, you know, she was a year younger than me. I was a senior and my girlfriend at the time was a junior. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up mutually kind of breaking up. Hey, I think I want to go do this, prepare for my mission. She was like, she wanted to go there with me originally, and then I, and then I kind of talked her out of it and said, "Hey, you I, you really ought to stay there for your senior year. I think it's best if we you know go these this this way." Um, and uh, anyways, we I ended up going to BYU Idaho, got all ready for my mission. I guess this is the route I'm going to go with my life and everything. Um, this whole time, you know, I'm still kind of thinking about this girl that I was going to date. You know, when I got off my mission, I was possibly going to marry this girl. Like we were, we were, we had talked about marriage. I told her I was going to marry her. We'd done these kind of things before, you know, stuff like that. And, um, what was nice about her is it got me away from being around the Baptist community. You know, I was like, I was able to step away and, and, and not be a part of that. So I didn't I didn't know the gospel. So if brother Hales would have asked me, Hey, what's going on? Are you still going to, you know, what's going on? I, I didn't want to tell him because I didn't want to get talked out of what I had felt already. I just didn't want that to happen. So it was good for her to come into my life at that point. So I ended up uh, going to BYU Idaho three semesters and uh, went on my mission. And then I you know got a mission call in Ogden, Utah. And um, we, 
we, we ain't heard, you know, even, you know, drop subtle hints. Hey, we might be together when I get off my mission and stuff like that. And, you know, these kind of things. Like, it was one of those things where she didn't, like, wait for me. But it, she, I, I guess I had thought she was going to kind of do that. And maybe she didn't. I don't know. Maybe you'll hear, the, you'll hear why I'm, I thought these things. Okay. I ended up going on my mission. And uh, I hope she hears this. I hope she hears this with her husband. I think that'd be awesome. You have you to know? post it on Facebook, dude. I, I will. I'll, I will. <laughs> But uh, anyways, I ended up going on my mission. There was a missionary. The day I entered my mission, a uh, a missionary left my mission because he had crashed his bike and gotten hurt. Mm. And his name was Elder Shonk. I had never met this guy. Okay. But I had known, I'd heard about him. Anyways, I'd probably been out for about three months, you know, and uh, I'd been out for about three months and I get an email from the girl and it was like hey do you know this missionary named elder shank and all these things and stuff like that she didn't tell me she was dating him or nothing and uh it was like it was just like do you know this person i'm like oh i'd heard about him and stuff like that and all these things and i heard he crashed his bike and went home early and saw the stuff dude i kid you not man they ended up getting engaged (laughs) okay and so it was kind of funny because it actually kind of spread around my mission that this girl who i i kind of thought was waiting for me like i said it wasn't like a said thing right but i kind of thought it was waiting for me ended up dating this guy named elder shank <laughs> you never met i never met him and now the whole mission knows and the whole mission knows this guy as well and everybody kind of started making fun of me my mission president made fun of me it was just kind of a funny thing and um like i said i i i wasn't super duper sad about it but it was just it was a funny thing to laugh at <laughs> but it gets even better okay because a her grandmother who i was really close to the one that introduced us she came and visited me on my mission hmm. okay and she took me out to dinner she took me out to dinner and the it's funny this the night that she took us out to dinner she had, my, the girl had dated this guy got engaged she ended up breaking the marriage off like two weeks before they were supposed to get married. And the day that they broke it off was the exact day that the grandma visited me. And the grandma shows me a picture and is like, yeah, here she is. And all these things. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh, like this might happen. <laughs> you know? like, oh, crap. Not even joking, man. Uh, one part of the story that I didn't mention is there's another elder named Elder Carante. He was from Texas as well. Well, he came onto the mission, and I recognized him, but I didn't know from where, and he recognized me, and he didn't know from where. And we kind of started to talk to each other. He had dated the girl before I did. Hmm. Okay? He dated this girl before I did. So she's dated me, Karante, and Shank, all from this mission, right? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so I thought that was kind of a funny add-on to it. Anyways, she ended up... uh, She ended up getting so i didn't i just didn't want to you know deal with it i was at a i was at the high point of my mission i've been out for 15 14 15 months i was at a high point i'm like i'm so dedicated to this right now i don't want any distractions kind of thing and uh so i didn't really try to connect with her or anything in that way well she ended up dating another guy who was from roy utah (laughs) which is freaking in my mission oh okay so you're following this. Yep. There's four guys here. She ended up dating that guy while I, you know, when I was out about 14, 15 months, she ended up getting engaged to that guy and she married that guy. And I wow. went to her wedding. I'd only been home for about two weeks and I went to her wedding. 
and uh, congratulated her, everything, and, and it ended up being really good for her. And <laughs> it, wor- it, it worked out perfectly, you know, because I think she'd even say this, like, we, we, we thought we were in love with each other. I mean, we thought we were in love with each other. I guess, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but we... We, I think we both kind of knew also as well. It was great for us to both date each other at that time in our lives, but it probably wasn't something that was going to be a good fit for both of us, right. you know? And so I ended up marrying, you know, I married my wife a couple years later. She's got beautiful kids, beautiful family, and it's just everything was worked out the way it's supposed to work out. So Yeah, it's yeah. great. I, I have a firm belief that everyone you date teaches you something. Mm-hmm. Similar to your companions. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that I guess that wasn't the condensed version, but... Uh, that's kind of what happened. And um, I'm, and anyways, I ended up coming home that the Baptist preacher, he had kind of spread rumors like Cord left because of intimidation from his mother. Cord left because oh. Cord, Cord didn't decide to go on his mission because of his mother or Cord, you know, or because of his girlfriend, you know, he, he had thought that it was either my girlfriend or my mom that kind of made me go on this mission. And I met him and had to set him straight. And I was just like, really hell, this is, this is my thoughts on things. And I kind of opened up. I don't believe this doctrine that you guys believe. I don't believe this doctrine that you guys believe. And I kind of broke it down and he's like, well, the Bible says this. And I'm like, well, I actually just don't believe your interpretation. of that." (laughs) And that's really what it comes down to. Right. It's like, it's funny because they're so big on, well, the Bible says this. Okay. Well, no, that's your interpretation of that verse. Okay. You have a different interpretation from the church down the street. Right. Okay. And that guy has a different interpretation of that church down the street. You know, everybody's got a different interpretation of that one, but they're so convinced that that is their interpretation is the correct one, and it's only that way. And it's just it's always bugged me a little bit. And I'm not saying that 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 you know I mean that scripture's not important or anything like that. But at the end of the day, the spirit's the most important thing. That that's the converting factor. You have, right. There's a spirit. God speaks to you, and that's what lets you know what truth is. And the spirit backs that those scriptures up. And you have these these thoughts and feelings. And, and, and they're backed up through the scriptures that you read. So, yeah. And I was thinking when you say you went back to, to talk to him, it was a totally different you. So mm-hmm. from the teenage junior senior kid that was talking to him yeah. and all of a sudden you come in two, three years later with two years of experience of knowledge of the gospel that you've been studying every day, mm-hmm. it's a totally different person. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can relate to that. Um, I left on my mission thinking I knew some. And then I realized when I got on the, onto the mission field, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and you're like, I think, you know, I got a, I got a pretty firm knowledge about this stuff. <laughs> right, right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not looking to Bible bash with somebody, right. you know, but I, I'll stand my ground and I'll stand. I mean, even with my job that I have now, you know, I go into people's homes every day, you know, and I work for a very Christian company, you know, that, I mean, most people hear about us on Christian radio station. Okay. Most people, and I wear you know, LDS on my sleeve, you know, it's something that I'm really proud of. And I, you know, people ask me if I'm saved and I say, yes, you know, and then it's funny, I'll, I'll be sitting down writing the contract up with everyone and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, so where do you go to church? Oh, I go to the LDS church there on castle drive, you know? Mm -hmm. And they're like, I could tell they're like a little ticked that I said the fact that I was saved and then they just (laughs) bought an HVAC system from me. And now they're like, Oh, it's Mormon. You know, and so I've, I've actually had good conversations with people and stuff like that. I love having conversations with people about the gospel yeah. and, as, and and hearing a different perspective. And, and I'll, I'll always ask them, you know, and I never had a good answer as to, you know, I mean, what, what about these people? You know, right? they just, there's no answer that they can give for that, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that enjoying talking to people about the gospel contributes to the mission or is that just how, how you are? <laughs> 
so the question is is the how do enjoying enjoying talking to people about the gospel oh do you dude yeah contribute that to your mission or is that just how definitely you are? my mission okay definitely my mission i like i loved you know i was telling you i asked questions about the gospel and stuff like that you know before but I love it's like it's honestly my favorite thing to do. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I'm super glad I was called as the ward mission leader. You know, I'm teaching. You know, I taught Sean for close yeah. to six eight months. You know, and he was baptized a couple weeks ago, and then Jason, he's going to be baptized here in a couple weeks. I've been teaching him for close to a year now. You know, he had to go through the uh, um, temple, uh, not temple, uh, the mission presidency and get interviewed and everything that way. But it's it's so much fun to to teach people the gospel. Yeah, I just. I feel one, it's fun to teach it with my wife because my wife didn't go on a mission. So she thinks it's amazing to just to, to, to how the spirit enters the room and how it's utilized and how she sees people that are learning this gospel. And it's like, you know, you read that book, uh, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. You know, the guy talks about a paradigm in the book and you know, you know, he gives the example of, you know, there's, there's, there's a dad and he's, he's, got his hands his head in his hands and his kids are bouncing around everywhere and um guy walks up to him and says hey dude why are your kids bouncing around and everything what the heck's going on why can't you parent your kids and the guy says to him oh you know their mom just died and i gotta figure out a way to break it to him and the guy that was mad at him is like oh crap <laughs> like like that was a paradigm shift it's like a whoa i did yeah. not look at it that way and it's so amazing when when you're teaching somebody the gospel and they and they you teach them like like the pure doctrine of repentance. Okay, you take that just that basic doctrine. People can easily say, oh, that's just you know, I'm asking him for forgiveness. You know, that's repentance. No, no, no. This is repentance. You know, like there's a scripture that says like, um, you know, when we repent, God remembers our sins no more. Like, so when you take that that scripture, and it's like the most the happiest people in this world look to the future. Okay, and the most unhappy people in this world look to the past. It's 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 it's, it's as black and white as just that. Okay, when w- people that look to the past, the unhappy people look to the past is because there's things that they've done in the past that weigh them down. Things that they've done or things that people have done to them, even you know. And that's where we have to learn to forgive others. Yeah, you know. But there's things that happened in the past that weigh them down. But when you understand that when we repent, Heavenly Father remembers our sins no more and so it's like because he remembers them no more like there's this lift burden that's off of our shoulders okay and because he remembers them no more we subconsciously remember them no more now we can obviously remember the physical you know or the, the the actual event but like that weight is lifted off and it's like oh my gosh that's how repentance works it's heavenly father forgetting about the things that I've done. And I know he's forgotten about it because I feel that weight lifted off of me. And it's almost as if Heavenly Father remembers them no more. Now I get to look to the future. And that's how I would always teach baptism. And I teach repentance to the people that I taught. Like, this is what baptism is. It's not just getting in the water or whatever. It's a way to look to the future. It's a way to forget about the mistakes that you made in the past. Okay? And I just, I remember teaching it just like that several times. And people would just be like, Whoa, I've never thought about it like that. That's, you know, and it was just like, that's exactly what it is. That's just a small paradigm, you know, where it's like, whoa, I never looked at it that way. Or, or here's another one. Here's another one that's, that's really fun to teach is, is, is the gospel, is the spirit. 
So and I'll share this on my mission page. So people on my mission page are going to love it. <laughs> there was this training and I learned it very early on my mission. And I just, I felt so lucky to, to, to master it. You know, I, at least I felt like I mastered it on my mission very early and it was called the spirit sandwich. Okay. The spirit sandwich is basically you, you enter. So when you're sitting down with somebody, okay, you, you go through the, the, you go through the, the, the building of the foundation of the lesson. Hey, who are, you know, how'd you hear about us? Why are you interested in hearing about us? You go through, um, you know, what are you wanting to get out of this process as the missionaries and stuff like that? You build that foundation. And then you're like, and then you go to, okay, are you familiar with the spirit? Okay. Are you familiar with the spirit? Are you familiar with how that, you know, what that is? And they're like, yeah, you know, okay. When's a time in your life that you, you felt the spirit? Remember that question my branch president? Yeah. That was, that was like a thing that I started using in my mission. When's a time in your life that you felt the spirit? Okay. Well, some people didn't quite know. They didn't know quite how, when they felt it. And so I'd have to kind of pull it out of them. Um, you know, a lot of times we feel the spirit when we hold our children, when we when we hug our grandma or our mom and tell them we love them. Um, you know, maybe a death in the family, a birth, a marriage. Um, I I would use the example of Christmas morning. You know, you everybody's felt the spirit in their life at some point. They may not have recognized it at the spirit, but they felt it before. And as a missionary, this is the first thing I teach is I had to pull it out of them. Would when they felt the spirit. And how, and then I'd say, you know, after they kind of describe a time, okay, what did that feel like? And you'd have to pull it out of them, that feeling that they've had. Perfect. I want you to look for that feeling as we teach here today. Okay. So now I've changed the entire point of the first lesson. The entire point of the first lesson has changed. I could care less if they don't know what a profit is at the end of the first lesson. I could care less if they don't understand the, the one of some of the basic principles in that in that first lesson the most important thing that they need to know is or the most important thing that needs to happen is they feel the spirit because it's not going to be what i say is what converts them it's going to be what they felt because mm -hmm. people never remember what you said they always remember how they felt see what i'm saying That's true. And so i would teach this i even teach this to missionaries now I go to district meetings now and i'll be like guys this is this is the biggest misconception with missionaries biggest misconception in missionary work is that you honestly think that it's something that you're going to say that's going to convert somebody. You honestly think that. I did. I honestly thought if I can say it in this exact right way, then that'll convert them. You're an idiot if you think that. Okay. <laughs> you're a dummy. You're a dummy. There, there's, you've heard of the concept, get out of the spirit's way. That's what that is. You have to use the spirit. It's all about the spirit. Yeah. So you have to teach. And now, don't get me wrong. You, the spirit comes by teaching true doctrine. The spirit comes from 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 um, being in sync with your companion. You know, being um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, good. Yeah, being a good missionary, uh, following the commandments and things like that. <laughs> but anyways, you get to the very end, and you're like, okay, before my companion shares with you this experience, I want to remind you of that feeling of the spirit. Remember what that felt like that time that your child was born or when you hugged your mom or whatever? I want you to look for that as we share with you this experience. So you go through the first vision, okay? How did you feel as we shared with you? What, you know, here's, a, here's a better question that I started doing. What changed in the room as we shared with you that experience? I love that. You know, people, oh man, I, it's there. It's there. The spirit is there. And it was so amazing to be able to, to visualize like, oh my gosh, this is Heavenly Father. Like he's... He's, he's here. The, the spirit is in this room right now. Yeah. Okay. And P 
people just, I mean, I had some total moments, man. Like I, words don't do justice. You know, I don't like talking about some of these experiences because I can never verbally or right. with my words say what it was like. Right. But man, I just, I'm getting tears just thinking about how amazing these, some of these moments. And I could, I could see the paradigm shift in these people that I was teaching. And I just was so humbled to see this and just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm this lucky, you know, to like, you know, and then you go through that. And then they, the, at this point, the, the people that you're teaching are like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is legit. And then my, my favorite questions is how many times in your life has God spoken to you? Mm-hmm. I loved asking that question. How many times in your life has God spoken to you? But yet he speaks to you on the one night that we're here. What do you think he means by that? <laughs> you know? And it was just, it was just done, dude. I mean, yeah. people would be like, oh my, I had people be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a Mormon. Like I had people <laughs> say that, dude. And it was just like, whoa, it was just so much fun. And that's where it's fun for me. I just, I, I just feel so indebted to my Heavenly Father. I really do. Uh, just, you know, I mean, like there's, there's no way I can deny this gospel. There's just no way. Like, but the things that I saw, the lives that I saw changed, to witness, to be able to just get out of the Spirit's way and to be able to just see the Spirit work in these people. And, and you know, I mean, and then it's just like, and then you set up with them. Okay, this is what we're going to need to do. This, you know, this is what we're going to need to do from you. You know, I give them a calendar, you know. Okay, this is what we're going to need. I'm going to need to meet with you, you know, two to three times a week. Okay, we're going to get you some shirts. We're going to get you some nice ties. Okay, we're gonna see you at church this Sunday. We're gonna, you know, you're gonna pray with your wife. You know, we're gonna. You start setting everything up because it's like now you have the foundations. Like they know it's true. There's no yeah. way out of it now. Now all the commitments, all the everything going forward is gonna be much easier to do. They're not gonna drop lessons, okay? And if they do, they're sincere. You know, they're not gonna drop lessons. Those things aren't going to happen. You know, and it was just, it, it just. I mean, I was teaching. I mean, I, there wasn't, I could honestly, going back, I could probably count on one hand how many times I didn't teach 20 lessons a week. Wow. Like we were, I was, it was just, I was in, there were times where it's like my last year of my mission, I didn't even teach with my companions that much, you know, because we literally had to split. Like he's going to go with some priest for three hours. I'm going to go with some priest for three hours and I'm going to teach three lessons and he's going to teach three lessons. And then we'd vice versa swap, you know, back that way, you know, and I'd have to teach those people the next time. I mean, I had companions that just like, it was just that just banging, you know, and we were just, it was so much fun. And, and I just, like I said, I feel very humbled to, to serve where I served and to, to have the, the, I mean, and then it's just, you know, you, you read that one, what's that one quote where it's like, luck is when, uh, opportunity meets, um, hard work, hard, no, luck is when, Hard work and op- how does it work? It's a quote that's like that. Luck is where opportunity and hard work meet each other, or something like that. Or something like that. Yeah, it's I. Let's, I almost want to look this up. Uh, luck. Preparation meets opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> luck. Exactly. That's what it is. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Okay. And I just I felt very lucky. And it's not people, you know, I mean, it just like sometimes I just have people come out of the woodworks and be like, hey, we're ready to be taught. And I'm like, I'm like, there's missionaries that served in some of these areas that just that just didn't happen. And I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not trying to whatever come across. as Right. I just felt very lucky. And I, I part of me, I, I really think was I just felt like, I guess, in a sense, Heavenly Father trusted me with these people. You know, I, yeah. tr- I truly felt that, you know, and 
I mean, I've been blessed immensely since my mission. I've been blessed so much so that I, I honestly feel guilty sometimes, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's you listening to you talk about your mission like that. Uh, it's, it makes Ogden sound exciting. Oh, dude. It's <laughs> like, I tell people, you, you'll, oh, excuse me. I, I'm kind of far away now. I tell people, you know, missionaries, you'll be lucky if you go to Ogden. Yeah. Dude. You'll be lucky. But you know what? Some things have changed a little bit since on the mission. You know, my mission's been split up four times since or something like that. So Probably because it's, it's necessary. Yeah. It's, it's nece- I mean, I was covering three stakes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had 25 wards, you know, in wow. some areas, you know. I mean, I never had an area that was less than eight wards, you know. So, <laughs> Dang, man. You know, so it was... It was it was it was very fun, you know. You, yeah. you had you had to learn how to balance your time, you know. You, so yeah. yeah. So for people who don't know, nowadays most missionaries like one companionship will cover one ward. Yeah. One congregation. So for for a companionship to cover eight wards, that's that's insane. Yeah. And one, same thing. I mean, like we had to split on Sundays. Yeah. Like elder, you gotta you gotta find somebody in that ward, and you need to go hang out with him because I gotta go to this ward and meet with these people. You gotta go to ward and meet with those people. Yeah. Like if I. If we weren't sitting on church with somebody, like I always felt weird sitting at church. In fact, it didn't happen very often, but I always felt weird sitting at church when I didn't have anybody there, to, like investigators sitting with. Yeah. It's like, I remember me and my companions like, we need to get up. We need to go knock. We need to go find somebody. So okay. if there was somebody we were teaching that wasn't there, we'd go knock on their door that Sunday morning. Okay. You know, people would always, you know, I always, you always have to bring up the concern before they do. Right. So it's like, okay, we got your tie. We got your, we got your shirt. We got your alarm clock. We got your ride. There is no reason why you cannot be at church this Sunday. Right. So yeah, it's um, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. It sounds yeah. fun. Um, I had a friend that came up to Pocatello, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This, this sucks." Mm-hmm. But after his mission, it was great. Mm-hmm. He he said it was the best thing, and I think that I think everybody feels that way. Um, not well. There's some missionaries that hate their missions, but yeah. for the most part the mission changes people and Absolutely. you completely change your perspective on that place. <laughs> Dude, it's like Ogden will always have a sweet spot in my heart. I mean, yeah. it, 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 every mission area you drive through and you know, you have the memories of walking down the street or whatever. It's like, this is know? where I fell off my bike. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? I've heard some of your other podcasts and you guys are talking about, you know, how you guys lived and stuff like that. I'm not going to lie. I probably went like 21 months in a car. Really? <laughs> I started my, my mission in a car and it was like, a brand new 2008 Malibu type car. <laughs> oh, back in the day. Oh yeah, dude. I I had nice vehicles. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. We had 2012 Ford Fusions. Okay. And brand new 2013 for the Zone Leaders. Oh wow. Yeah, the Zone Leaders <laughs> got spoiled. The APs got spoiled. Yeah. They got. They had the nice vehicles, man. <laughs> I had a. I had a Subaru, and it was an all-wheel drive Subaru. Oh, nice. And me and one of my companions, his name was Elder Maki. A South African kid, we actually ended up mudding in it a little bit. Like it, like it was like a little puddle, and yeah. uh, I shouldn't say we mudded. We we went through this puddle, and we almost got stuck. But that was one of the crazier. I mean, I did a couple fun things, but that was that was something I, I probably shouldn't have done. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> did you time. guys? Have, you guys didn't have that that thing they they put on the cars now, do they? Or did you? I don't think we did actually. Do you know those little trackers. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't think we did. If we did. We were never, I mean, we might have, but I was never called out on it or anything like that. Okay. I mean, we were, we had, there were, we, each, each companionship had a certain amount of miles yeah. they had to stay under. Yep. And, uh, yeah, everybody, and you know, what was cool about those miles is they were, you could, you could almost sell them. Yeah. You know, so like you could tell your companion, you could tell like, oh, hey man, can I have a couple hundred miles? I'm kind of low on miles right now. Yeah. And you could get miles from other missionaries. 
And I remember my last transfer, I totally like, I lied to like four missionaries and I was like, hey man, I need some miles. And we just stacked up a ton of miles because <laughs> oh, I had to go visit all the people that I had taught. And yeah. so like, I need to borrow some of these miles and get them all and something like that. Yeah. There was one companionship. He'll, he'll be proud that I call it, that I say this, Elder Otis. Um, and he totally picked up. He's like, dude, you're full of crap. I give you anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Ours was weird because we had on the, on, on average, they had 900 miles. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you got to give 10% of your miles into, into like the pot of miles. Oh. And so for the most part, everybody had 810, which is kind of weird. I was like, I mean, I guess 10%, that's our, that's our tithing. Yeah. But it was weird. Uh, we had one area where we, we covered four wards. And then we were Spanish speaking, so we covered the four wards. And then each companionship covered one ward. Yeah. And so they all had 1,200 miles because it was a bigger area. And they gave us 1,500 miles to cover all of their area. Nice. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, we can't really do that with 300 extra miles, but we, we blew that out of the water the first transfer. <laughs> we did like 2,200. I had a car. Dude, so me and me and uh, one of my favorite companions, his name was Elder Norton. He's one of my best friends still. And uh, anyways, we served in this area called Sunset, okay? Sunset, Utah. It was probably a half a mile wide. <laughs> and it, it was probably half a mile wide and it was probably a mile and a half long. Okay. It was a tiny little area, yeah. but it was a whole, it was a one, it was a, a, a stake. So it was eight wards and had a little bit of clear field and stuff. Holy cow, man. It was one stake. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we were, it was real concentrated. Yeah. It, it, I, I know it wasn't more than a mile and a half, two miles at the tops, but anyways, we ended up getting a car for that area. <laughs> Cause Norton was, uh, he had, uh, he was a zone leader, but he was like, he got in trouble for something. And so he got demoted. And he ended up coming with me. And it ended up being perfect for both of us. We, it was probably one of our favorite, favorite transfers. But anyways, he kind of told the APs, he's like, listen, we will baptize double. Like Because I had had a kind of, <laughs> I had had a pool of people that were just ready to go. We were just kind of strapped with a little bit. So he told the APs, he's like, if you give me a car, I will, we will double what we're doing here as far as work and everything. And we ended up getting a car. And sure enough, that's what happened. We ended up taking Dang. a car, but it was from some other missionaries in the zone and their area was like four times bigger than ours oh, damn. and we totally took their car and they were like sunset's getting a car they were so pissed yeah i would be too they were man. Pissed, man but it was like they were they were i don't know they, i'm sure they were good missionaries but hey man i mean you work hard for it brother that's what yeah, you're gonna get that's true yeah on my first mission or my first area was about that size i think it was half a mile by two miles yeah. and, but we were on bike no all uphill we're going to bet that if I could get in a car, you know, and I ended up doing that actually later in my mission too as well. Kind of the same thing where I kind of pleaded to the APs. I said, give me a car and I will double what I'm doing right now. And they, they gave it to me again. What? So, dude, I was, I, yeah, it was, that was in uh, North Logan. Man, you are spoiled. Dude, I was totally spoiled. I was totally spoiled, but I had enough like pull with some of the leaders in the yeah, mission at this point sure. where, I mean. I, I, I just kind of told him, I said, guys, look at how much we're, we're having. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to come across as like baptisms or everything. You know, I'm not right. trying to make it, make that seem like that way, but that was something, our, that was a big focus on our mission. I'm the, not, sorry, go. Yeah. No, the thing is that like, that, that's a way of showing that you're working hard. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, like they're, they're not just numbers. They're people yeah. who are accepting the gospel, but they're the fruits of your labor. Yeah. So, so. So what 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 so I was a I I was in a, a leadership position you know I was, I was a zone leader actually at this point, and 
me and my companion, Elder Stewart, fun, one, of my, one of my other favorite companions, we ended up getting in trouble. We did something kind of dumb. We shouldn't have done that, but we ended up, we were serving in Layton. We decided to take our car and drive to Logan, okay, oh. just in the middle of the night, you know? And I don't know what we were thinking, wow. but we were being idiots, and we ended up getting caught. This is this is as you're his own leader? Yes, as oh, I was man. leader. I had just been called one, too. I had just been called one. And we decided to go have fun. Dude, I was... I was such a smack talker on my mission. We we created this zone vision. I remember it. It was called our zone vision was called pool parties. Okay, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. It was a zone vision called pool parties, and we went to the zone conference with all the not the ZLC. That's what it's called, zone leader trainings. Yeah, something like that. It's where all the zone leaders meet together. Dude, I freaking the night we came up with our vision, I texted all the zone leaders and was like, "Your vision sucks. Ours is better. We're gonna out baptize you guys all." Oh yeah, dude, I had a lot of fun. But <laughs> anyways, we showed up to that ZLC with like pool equipment on and all these things because it's like you know we're yeah. gonna be you know baptizing people, right? And it was kind of humbling, so we ended up getting in trouble. Uh-oh. So it was kind of looked bad on our part. We kind of looked stupid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. I ended up going from there. I ended up getting, you know, let go as a zone leader. And I ended up getting transferred up to North Logan. And they, they basically banished me, you know. Oh. I ended up serving with this kid, man. And he was good. He was, he, was, he was the first companion I'd ever had that I felt like all my companions had to kind of control me. Yeah. This was the first kid I had to control. And his name was Elder Leon. Wow. Okay. We call, I call him Lightning Leon. This kid, man, was, he was, he was awesome, dude. He was, he was an awesome kid. He was fun. He was a real good worker. But he's just—he's he, just—he had a—he was just all over the place. That's the best way to put it. Anyways, we went up to this area, and it was three stakes. It was probably five by five miles, which for me that was a big area. Yeah. And they put me on a freaking bike in February, and uh, in Logan, Utah, so it was yep. freezing, you know. And um, and anyways, we we got sent up there, and this area had been pretty dead for a while, and. I was just like, you know, I was out probably, I was out about 16, 17 months at this point. And, um, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to suck it up and we're going to, we're going to make, I'm going to make some lemons out of lemonade here. Uh, oh, excuse me. Lemon, lemonade out of lemons. lemons. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, me and Leon, we crushed it, dude. We, our first six weeks, we, we just freaking, our, our pool of people just grew so quickly. Your pool party? I, I pool parties. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I don't want them to be interpreted bad. I wasn't, wasn't all about that, but we just, we had fun. Like I was, yeah. I, I was a big believer in work hard, play hard. Yeah. Every companion I ever had will probably say Elder Nichols was crazy, but we had fun and we worked hard. And that was the reputation I kind of had in my mission. And that was what I, I wanted to end that way. I do missionary work can be hard, man. Yeah. And so you got to find the joy in it. So we just had fun in that way. But me and Elder Leon, we went up there, North Logan, and we whitewashed into it. We, we probably picked up. I mean, six, seven, eight people. I mean, it just so quickly, dude. And I just, I, I, it was one of those times where it's like, I had to, one of the great things about serving in Utah, and this is one of the things that I felt like I did really good on, was I was able to really utilize the resources I had. Like I could line up ward mission leaders and they trusted me because I was working hard. I could be like, I need a ward mission leader for three hours this Wednesday, this Thursday, this Friday, I would have a ward mission leader. I'd have two ward mission leaders and I would go out and teach and then Elder Leon would go out and teach or any companion I had. And I just was able to quadruple the work and the yeah. time and, and everything that way. Um, but then I just, it got to a point where I just, I, I was just exhausting. I mean, I, I mean, there's always people to go out with us, but it just got to a point where I was like, I need a car, you know, and I can, I can, I can double our work here. And 
you know, sure enough, man, I, I, I was in the AP's ear, Elder Sebesta at the time. I said, Sebesta, <laughs> dude, you need to give me something, man. I, I will, you need to hook me up. And she gave me it. So I was it's like, funny how so. they have so much influence on that stuff. Yeah, dude. I just like, <laughs> I, I mean, it, yeah. I, I mean, he knew that I was not going to BS around with it. So right. yeah, it was, uh, it was fun, fun times. That's pretty cool, man. Well, believe it or not, we're coming up on an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. It <laughs> <laughs> goes by quick. It huh? went by real quick. Well, one last question. Uh, something that I've been trying to to get people to, to I guess, to ask um, or to tell the audience is something that you've learned or some just anything that you'd like to tell people. From my mission or since my mission or, or, or what? Any Something that you've learned from your mission. Something that I learned from my mission. Like a life-changing thing. You know what? I... Uh... I got a couple, but there's one that that really hits me hard the most. Um, one of the things that I struggled with on my mission was I wanted to work hard. That was never an issue I had on my mission. You know, working hard, it was just, I mean, the day I came out, I was there to work. In fact, I, you know, I, mean, I remember my, and I had good, I had a great trainer. I had a great first couple of commissioners. I, I give a shout out to Elder Fagerberg. Amazing trainer. I mean, I remember the first couple of times, you know, we worked, we came home, I freaking passed out on the couch, you yeah. know, cause I thought I was a hard worker and then I worked with that guy. Um, but anyways, one of the things that was a struggle for me though, was working hard for the right reasons. I wanted to work hard, but I wanted to, I wanted to prove to everybody that I was good. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted everybody to know that Elder Nichols was good, you know, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's something I've worked on. I still work on to this day is keeping my motives correct. You know, there's a, there's a talk and it, it just, I mean, I, ch- I send it to all missionaries that are out, but I tell them you cannot read this talk until you've been out about 13, 14, 15 months. You have to read it at this point in your mission or otherwise you're not going to get it. You're going to read it and you're just, it's not going to relate to you. It's called the fourth missionary. Best talk I ever read. Probably, probably the most influential talk in my life. In the fourth missionary, there's four different types of missionaries. Okay, there's the first missionary. He doesn't do anything. He's disobedient. He, you know, he. I don't even think he finishes his mission. You know, it, it's a very short part of the, the the entire talk. The second missionary, he is disobedient. He goes through the motions. He finishes his two years. He kind of just drags his feet the whole time. Doesn't really get a whole lot from his mission. It's the third and the fourth missionary that are the real kickers. The third missionary works really hard the entire mission. He works really hard his entire mission. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. He, he's, he's feeling, he, on the outside, he's just, he, everybody thinks he's a good worker. You have all these things. It's like he's a good kid. You, you would look at a third missionary and be like, that kid served a good mission. You know, you'd look at that like that, you know? And he, this guy who wrote this talk, he's, he was a mission president. He's like, if, if I had a bunch of third missionaries come home from their mission, everybody would think I was a good mission president. I remember him saying that in the talk. But the problem with the third missionary is he's working hard, but he's not doing it for the right reasons. You know, there's a scripture in uh, Moroni 7. Um, if a man giveth a gift, but if he doeth it grudgingly, it profits him nothing. Okay? And that's 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 the, 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 the compass concept, of, of yeah. it, is you can do something. But if you're not doing it for the right reason, you'll profit nothing from it. I can literally do something as celestial as missionary work. But if I'm doing it to add another baptism to my book, if I'm doing it to uh, to try and get a calling in my mission, 
you know, if I, you know, I'm trying to be the, you know, high, you know, AP or something like that. If I'm doing it, for, if I'm working hard, but for that reason, you'll profit nothing. Okay. And, and, and that's concept that I, you can take in life in general, you know, that it, it, so I remember reading that. And as a third missionary, it was very humbling because it truly was me. If I was being honest with myself, it was something I struggled with very hard. And I just was like, it was a moment, man. I just had a I'd come to Jesus. It was like my second come to Jesus moment, you know, in my life where it's just like, I remember reading it and my, one of my favorite companions shared it with me. His name was Elder Crowfoot. I'm still, he's one of my best friends now. Anyways, he shared that with me and it was something that he had read and learned from too as well. But I just remember reading that third missionary and it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out here for two years <laughs> and I'm not going to get anything from this. And it just was just a hit me in the gut moment. And I'm like, I've got to change. I've got to do this. I've got to change what I'm doing or otherwise this is a waste of time. And I just was not about to waste my time. And so the fourth missionary is, you know, there's that scripture where it's like, whosoever shall lose his, I'm totally going to, I'm totally going to butcher yeah. this phrase. Whosoever shall lose uh, his, his, him, himself. Man, yeah. yeah. Whosoever shall lose himself, in the service that shall find himself. Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm butchering this. I'm totally drawing a blank on Just how to paraphrase it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whosoever <laughs> shall lose himself for my sake yeah. shall find it. Right? And that's what I had to do. My last six, seven, eight months of my mission, I, I had to get lost for the right reasons. I had to do that. Okay? And it was so hard because it's the natural man in me was just clawing at cord you're doing it for this reason you gotta you gotta prove it i remember one time i was getting out of the car and i was a doorknob right here and i literally had to talk to myself am i getting out of this car for heavenly father or am i getting out of this car because i want my companion to think i'm a hard missionary i'm a hard worker am i getting out of this car because i want to baptize somebody and and, and add another notch to, to whatever you know am i doing it for that reason or am i doing it for this reason and i had to constantly train my brain on how to think and and make sure that my motives were correct because otherwise it was going to be for nothing and it was so hard and it's still hard to this day i have that's my weakness dude is it's just like i i i mean i gotta i you know and so if there's something you know i would you know my advice read the fourth missionary and and try to become the fourth missionary who was it by I have no idea, but if you Googled it, you'll find it. The fourth missionary. The fourth okay. missionary. And it it will change your life. It will humble you. And but man, it is so hard because I just it was it, it was like I said, it was a it was a pretty life changing thing for me to read that. Yeah. And and uh yeah. Cool. So well thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. Um I am hoping that missionaries are will, will be able to listen to this mm-hmm. at some point in time. So I think that, that that would be something great that they, they could read and that they could um, be able to apply to their mission and even future missionaries too. Yeah. But thank you for sharing that. Thank you for coming on my show. Yeah. This is going to be episode 11. Wow. So, so far so good. Thumbs up. I'm smiling over here. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Thanks for sharing everything and hope hopefully we can have you back again. Yeah. Cool. Well, it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Thanks everyone. And we'll catch you next time.